0: Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward, episode 13. Can you believe it? I'm Beverly, Beverly Ann, and I'm joined today by. Chris Tuck, as always, your co host. Absolutely. We co host each other, actually. (laughs) And today's subject is about child protection and connecting the dots. Now, this is very important to both of us, hence, we do this podcast. But, Chris, you've got a monologue that you'd like to share with everybody. So, I'm going to hand this over to you right now and um, just open the conversation where you want to start.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. So, I've written all of this down, Beverly, because my head does not remember everything that I want to say, especially when I, you get carried away and we're very passionate about it. So please bear with me when um, I may not be looking at you because I'm looking at my notes here. Okay. so what I wanted to do today is just talk about how do we actually protect our children from abuse and connecting the dots to the the bigger picture, the bigger landscape, the the wider picture, rather than just picking um, a section of victims that abuse, i.e. within the family home or within foster care or, or whatever it happens to be. So I want to look at maybe a worst case scenario. And so I need to paint a picture to do that. You know, children, as we know, are abused within the family home. They're abused outside the family home. Some children are trafficked. Some could be abused within the family home. And as a result of that, taken into, a, into the care system, they could be fostered, they could be adopted multiple times, lots of breakdown in any connections that they may make along the way. And many of these children, worst case scenario, they leave care at the age of 16 or they leave the family home like we did at the age of 16. They're left to their own devices. They may have no money, nowhere to live. They're vulnerable to be abused and exploited over and over again in any of these situations. They're vulnerable to further abuse as a young adult and as an adult, you know, going into more relationships where they're not quite sure about how a relationship should run and be because they've never had that. Trust has been violated, there's no boundaries, their self-worm, their self-worm, their self-worth, their self-esteem, absolutely trashed. And many victim and survivors or individuals that I may be discussing or speaking about at the moment. They don't even know what self-worth is. They don't know what self-esteem is. They don't know what boundaries are. They don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. They have been surviving and they will use whatever tools they need, whatever tools we've learned to survive along the way. Yeah. That is what we use. We may repress all of our trauma psychologically, We might have imploded, exploded, you know, in our behaviours, in our coping strategies, um, as a result of just trying to deal with this repressed trauma that we're all dealing with, but we don't know that we're dealing with it. And we're just trying to carry on. We're trying to turn up in everyday life and be normal, whatever normal happens to be. All we really want, though and the children of today that are being abused, all they really want is the love, the care, and the nurture. But unfortunately, we often mistake this for other things, depending on what our lived experiences have been so far. For us, for them, you know, whatever that happens to be, and it's gonna be different for every single one of us. Now, the abused child, as we know, becomes a teenager. They may be running away, to get away from what's going on for them they may be involved in crime they may be acting out on others they may be expelled from school as a result of their behavior they may be in a pupil referral referral unit because of their behaviors even in a reformed school or a secure unit now i'll explain why i'm bringing all of this up because i'm trying to paint almost like the worst case scenario, but there are so many children and young people that are in this system and are in this place because we as a society are not getting it. We're not getting the trauma that they've gone through and we're not helping them deal with that because most of us are ignorant to that as well. Yeah. Now, these children, these young people, these young adults... Feeling angry, you bet they are. Feeling sad, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling unsafe, feeling suicidal, you bet some of that or all of that. Now, taking it out on others before you are hurt or harmed again, we can understand that, can't we, if a child has been through all of that, yeah? Yet we will go, stop bullying, stop doing this, stop doing that. But what, and I, I'm not condoning this behaviour at all, but what I'm trying to do is get us to understand and get the help that all these children may need. Now, your life might have been lived with a mask on, so no one knows what you're going through. And many victims and survivors have expressed that to us. And we've also discussed that throughout some of our podcasts, aren't we? Haven't we, rather? Now, your life, not yours, just general to victims and survivors might be one of bullying others, abusing others, taking part in crime, because you don't either understand what's gone on for you and how your behaviour is affecting other people, or you don't give an uh, 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 about yourself and other people. Sorry, I can't bring myself to swear, even though I've got the swear word written here. (laughs) All right. We are probably, you, the victim survivor, are on a spectrum of feelings and behaviors. And every single one of us responds and behaves differently Mm -hmm. to what we've been through. There are many layers of trauma in us that need to be dismantled, dealt with, and filed away in the right way. The impact, the damage that is caused from our trauma will depend on multitude of things but I've just got in my head genetics nature and nurture and there's probably other things as well the impact the damage will depend on our support systems our recovery from the impact and the damage will depend on our support systems it will depend on our therapy interventions and us as individuals on how we do cover and how we do cope now, we know abuse is everywhere. It's happening in the family home. It's happening within our communities. It's happening in our schools. Peer-on-peer abuse is just off the scale. It's happening online, off the scale. It's happening within, in institutions such as religious institutions, sports institutions. It's happening in prison. It's happening in secure estates. In every adult and victim who has been harmed, either mentally, physically, or sexually, there will be a mix of impact and a mixed response to that impact, depending on what we've gone through and what help and support we've got around us. But all we want to do and have is be loved, be cared for and feel safe. Now I'm really worried that as a society, what potential monsters are we creating for the future if we don't acknowledge the damage that we're doing to these young people, if we don't step in and give them the right and appropriate therapy for their trauma. So as I said, worst case scenario, someone's abused within the family home they go into the care system they're abused all over again they come out of the care system they either stick up for themselves and abuse and bully others before they get harmed they might then end up in crime or as a a response of sticking up for themselves end up in prison because they've done a a heinous act of some kind and then there's the abuse and the the punishment all over again for them being in prison. Now, I'm not saying that anyone that's caused a crime or committed a crime should get away scot-free because of their past. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But what I'm saying is we need to understand what trauma does, potentially, to a victim-survivor, a young child, an adolescent, a teenager, and get that intervention there so that they can know exactly what's going on for them. And they can get the right help and support before all of these other things might happen to them that causes a very chaotic and very damaging life. So, you know, what is the long-term cost going to be on our mental health services? Because we already know they're not fit for purpose. What is the cost to society as a whole for us not protecting our children from perpetrators of abuse. Now, again, to bring all of this to life, and I'm not exaggerating, this is someone's life that we know out there already. It's, it's a repeated pattern of abuse, trauma, and behaviors for some people, and this is their life. For others, many of us, we fall in between some of this, and some of us have come out the other end absolutely. I won't say fine, but we're living our lives. We've got a career. We've got a relationship. Life looks better for us than this picture that I've just painted for some of these people. Now, I was watching a documentary on, um, uh, oh, what was it? Netflix yesterday, right? This lady, Lisa Montgomery, right? She was on the Kansas death row for murdering Bobby Joe Stanette, so a mum-to-be, and kidnapping the baby Victoria Joe from the womb of this mother. And you're like, how could Lisa do this to another human being and why? And you think it's like, Chris, well, you know, this doesn't really happen a lot. But the fact is, I watched this because I was blown away by the backstory. This woman, Lisa... She was abused within the home, mentally, physically, and sexually. She was raped by her stepdad. She was gang-ranked by his friends. And they were saying, the experts, that as a child, that this, all of this trauma alters your brain chemistry. There was no chance of escape for this little girl. And she was used as currency by the stepmother. So basically, she would sell her on to other, to be violated all over again. Um, and all of this trauma, Led to this woman, Lisa, doing what she did. Now, don't condone it, not, not one bit. But no, the lady, her sister, who was looking for Lisa, so they they'd all been adopted out. So Lisa's sister was looking for her, and she found her, but she'd already found that she was in prison for doing this heinous mm. heinous act. Yeah, and she just sort of like just said, why? didn't anyone step in yeah. with the interventions knowing what this woman went through as a girl and yeah. an adolescent why did no one step in so for whatever reason caused lisa to do what she did she should have been punished for what she did absolutely 100 percent. but look at where we as a society have let down people like this yeah so she was on death row for 12 years totally mentally unwell everybody agreed on that heavily medicated and she was executed on the 13th of january 2021 at the age of 52 she was the first woman ever to be executed in 67 years yeah Yeah. um and none of lisa's abusers ever faced justice for their actions right so again i'm painting a worst case scenario here but it does happen yeah and i'm just like these individuals, they, in the, we all know that many of the people in prison have all got trauma in their backgrounds, mm. don't we, from abuse. Uh, that is just a given. We know that. Um, do I condone them being in prison? Um, you know, they, they've, they've committed a crime. No, but if we want to change this, child protection and impact and cost to society and all of that, We need to understand this bigger picture and what um, part we are playing in all of this, yeah? Absolutely. So how do we protect our children? How do we protect the young person? And how do we stop the rot? So if we know children are going through childhood abuse, what are we going to do to stop that further additional rot that yeah. could potentially be happening to every victim and survivor
1: so there's me monologue all done and dusted and thank you chris thank you because that really covers a multitude and i you know i was going to say i love what you say and i am going to say that because i avidly believe that silence around all of this exacerbates it it feeds it, and unless we're prepared to have these conversations and not be afraid to have them, because the one thing that I hear from all of that, and the one thing that um, I think is the problem, when you look from the top down, when we look at our leaders, when we look at adults, and then we look at the young people, often, and the children know it anyway. I remember I I knew instinctively, but I don't know how. As children, we Mm -hmm. want to speak out. We either don't have the language or we know or it feels like that. the Which adult do we trust? Mm -hmm. Because some adults don't want to hear it. Some adults get the information. They don't know how to deal with it. So they shut it down. Yeah. And it's sadly only a minority of people that can take that information, sit with it and then try and get the right support for that young person. But it's never gonna be easy. And sadly, that's the, the facts at the moment. What I'd like to believe is that we can turn it around so that those young people either do say something and they get heard, or as adults, it's our responsibility to have our eyes and ears open. Ask the questions. What's your story? What's going on with you? And you were saying about the worst-case scenario, I can identify with a lot of that because, you know, all throughout my life, apart from the first four years, you know, I was under a court order. I had these responsible people all around me and not one person asked me a question, what was actually happening? And even as an adult, you know, having these conversations is very challenging for people to hear, but it's so important. Because like you said, you know, if we can't have this conversation, where are the interventions? And what are the right interventions? And that is the challenge there because there is no wrong or right. But sometimes there's questions gonna be asked and they're gonna be uncomfortable questions and they're gonna be uncomfortable questions of other adults. But instead of listening to the adults that keep saying, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And let's stop victim blaming. Because the first thing that happens when something comes out is we're looking at the victim and trying to pull their story apart. But if they've robbed a house, if if their house has been robbed, we don't do that. We believe them. We support them. But we don't tend to do that. With anybody that comes forward and says i've been physically or sexually abused or mentally abused we try to pull it apart and prove that they're telling the truth rather than the other way around
0: yeah and again i do get that for some cases of abuse it may be really difficult for the professionals to really identify that abuse is taking place because The people that perpetrate the abuse, they are so manipulative. They are so good at what they do. They do cover their tracks,
1: and Um, they're so and they're so (laughs) likable.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know
1: that 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 is the community. Absolutely, and you know, I I will I don't mind sharing. You know, as we we do authentically. You know, if you look at my mum, my dad, my dad was the one that was charismatic, whereas my mum wasn't but actually when I look back now you know that was something I struggled with you know that so if we're struggling with it and we're the victim and survivors people on the outside that haven't experienced it you can imagine how even harder that is for them to even try and understand that and that's why being able to talk about it and not be afraid to ask questions yeah because the language may be a bit wrong because we've become so caught up now in offending other people well do you know what there's a time and a place for that and this is not the place because yeah. if you don't understand something ask please and not because only that,
0: if you're going to get offended by this topic, then you're not in the right job. You should just get out of the job if, if you don't want to hear exactly what is going on. And if you're not prepared to help, if you're not yeah. prepared to stick up for victims and survivors, children and teenagers, then you're in the wrong job.
1: Yeah. But even as parents, mm. there are many a parent where this information's come to them and it's their own child being abused by someone within the family. And that is it is challenging, oh my god, but hold on, let's remember, it's not as challenging as for the person who's actually been experiencing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree, and also, Beverly, um, for me, people go, well, yeah, um, but my child, you know, I've heard this before, my child, um, you know, tells fibs, so, you know, um, and that person would never, never do that, it's just something they wouldn't do, but If you really think about your child, what language are they using and how are they expressing it and and, um, what are they actually telling you by their nonverbal cues as well? If you know your child that well, um, then you will know when something is amiss. But also, for me, never, ever, ever disbelieve a child. If that child turns out to be fibbing lying whatever you want to say then that child obviously needs help anyway so always believe the child and take the right steps because the adult's got a voice yeah the child has never got a voice and if we really really want to protect children from abuse today tomorrow in the future we have got to break these cycles to step forwards in dealing with things differently we just have to so and, you know sorry that's okay on. go on no um often victim and survivors would have been abused once or twice in these different scenarios but there are children that have gone through all of it like a whole pathway as i've explained the house outside the house, in care, foster care, adoption, and then in older relationships as they've got older. And it's like, no, it's not right. Where is the intervention? Where is the love? Where is the care? Where is the protection? And there's multitude of adults around these young people as they're growing older. We have got to protect them, we have got to step in because otherwise we are creating monsters for the future. Yeah,
1: and I am going to interject now because (laughs) one of the things that is so important and I'm passionate about, so um, I use a questionnaire called ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And I've modified the questions because they were set back in the 70s, um, late 70s, early 80s originally. So I've modified it. But I remember being with a group of social workers that wanted to be able to use this, and they were asked, they were fostering social workers—and they were saying, "How young would you use this?" You know, for a young person. And I said, "Well, with this language, a child of." say 10 upwards and they all reacted and went that's young I said yeah what's the problem and it was an open discussion which was really good and they said oh that's a bit challenging I don't know that I could ask you know a young person of 10 or 11 these questions and I said well let's just go through the questions themselves because they're not that challenging they're asking yes have you ever been touched inappropriately they're asking have you ever been penetrated in any way? They're asking, have you ever witnessed someone being beaten? Have you been hit yourself? Have you had food withdrawn from you? Or, you know, in, And all they have to answer is yes or no. And they said, yeah, but what, you know, it's still these are still very invasive questions. I said, absolutely. But can you imagine how much more difficult it must be for that 10 or 11 year old if they are actually going through that scenario? And then they said, wow, what's really lovely. And they actually came to a showing of ours of the film, uh, Resilience, when we were in the, we hosted in London when you were on the Q&A. Um, and they said they actually had uh, you asked that um, a teenager that was being placed with um, foster parents those same questions the following week, and because of their react their ach- answers, they were actually able to then ask further questions, and they were able to um, be adapted with the ongoing care. So it does work, and That's one scenario, and I'd love that to be more and more, but not to be used to score, because there's a lot of conversation around Aces, and I see it. It's not about score. I don't care whether somebody says they've had they score one or they score eight. What it's about is it's a tool that we can open the conversation. Um,
0: Conversation, yeah, with that young person when they haven't got the language. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. scared
0: stiff about saying anything and if we
1: do ask a group of teenagers you know not every teenager will be abused but if they're not being abused they'll know a friend who is and so if yeah. we're able to open that conversation in a classroom and not be afraid of what language we're using yeah just yeah. open it up you will be surprised at what comes out
0: And not only that, so many victims and survivors, even as adults, they turn around and they say, oh, I didn't know that the symptoms I'm suffering and have been suffering for years were caused by the trauma and was caused by what I went through. If I had known that, I would have been in a better place to be able to deal with everything that came my way. So, you know, knowledge is power, but also it is about breaking these cycles all away along the pathway or potential pathway of an individual that has gone through abuse and is going through abuse, do you know?
1: And um, sadly, it's the adults that are scared of hearing it, but they're yeah. also scared of the re- repercussions. So, a scenario I had to go through years ago, um, Some, I got some information and I went to somebody else and said, what, you know, what do I do? And they said, well, there's always going to be consequences.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you say nothing. Yeah. On the young people. Yeah. If you say something, there could be consequences on you, but it will also help the young people. And yeah. I said, well, you've, to be honest, I don't really know why I asked you, because I can't not say something.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think I think you've 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 um, nailed the the now on the head there. With there's consequences either way: staying silent or speaking up. So we know that speaking up is going to help that young person long term um, in the long term. Yeah. that young person might not thank you at the time for um, stepping in and creating havoc in their life because every disclosure has a chain of of reaction and event, isn't it? It it, it Mm. has consequences. But long-term, it's going to save that individual from so many different things.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when I look back, you know, because I went through a lot of what you were talking about in your monologue, I remember being 14, nearly 15, and one adult, was truthful with me about um, relationships and boundaries. And they spoke to me as an adult, the difference between sex and making love. And do you know what? That, I I wish I could go back and say thank you to that person. But because she spoke to me in a very honest way, it also made me realise I have a choice here and I could stop. And I did stop the abuse happening there. And that's where I'm so passionate, because she gave me the language, she gave me the permission, she gave me the knowledge about boundaries, and that regardless of who it was, Mm. I had I had every right to say no. And I stopped it. Yeah, yeah. So that's where for anybody listening who has any concerns about it, I can say I am that young girl that actually I wish that somebody said that at 10 or 11 or 12, even at eight.
0: And what people have got to realise is that there is so much abuse happening to babies, to toddlers. When a a victim and survivor gets to 9, 10, 11, some of them have already been abused over and over and over, you know? So it's never too early to speak to children it's just got to be appropriate and the interventions have got to
1: be appropriate absolutely and there's always you know ways of doing it I'm very mindful of time Yeah, because we've done
0: 30 minutes
1: 30 minutes I know and I'm very aware of that I'm also very mindful that this will bring up a lot Loads. of feelings of people mm-hmm. listening to us. So just need to remind everyone, a first of all, about self-care when they come off of listening to the podcast. But also if you have anything that you'd like to say, please either put it in the comments box or contact us by email because we, you know, we want to continue this conversation um, and, It's important, and we want to hear what you have to say.
0: We do. And it's like it was just about setting the bigger picture. That's all. That's all I was trying to do today. Rather than people thinking, oh, silo, silo, silo. Oh, that doesn't happen in this town. Oh, that doesn't happen in this school. Oh, you know, that family's too rich. Or, oh, yeah, it's that family there because they're so dysfunctional. There can be so many dysfunctional families that are actually loving, caring, and not abusive. And there can be so many rich families that appear loving and caring, but behind closed doors are abusive. Yes. So let's scrap all of that. There is victim and survivors, and there's perpetrators. And it can be anybody regardless.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So your last thought, Chris.
0: Um... I am really passionate about pulling the ball of wool, pulling it undone and just laying bare everything and then putting together a system that is fit for purpose and that actually protects children. Yes. Really, really passionate about it. And we've got to look at
1: the bigger picture and break it down. Absolutely absolutely what about um, you
0: what you're my last
1: thoughts? thought is if anyone's listening to this and has really struggled to hear this not because they're a survivor because you know but and this is knowledge to them and some of this information and it's hard to hear yes it is hard to hear but just remember it's even harder for that young person who's going through it so we need to as adults be aware not which hunt but be aware and keep her eyes and ears open and not be afraid of what we're going to hear from a young person when we ask in. a question. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And step in. And if you're not sure what stepping in looks like, pick up the phone, NSPCC 101, um, a charity that deals with victim and survivors for advice. Just anybody that's in safeguarding, just yep. reach out and ask them, this has happened what do i do if you do not know just don't yeah. stay silent
1: please yes yeah, absolutely so that's uh episode 13 of the podcast we look forward to uh, next week which is number 14 can't believe it and thank you very much chris for today you're welcome and thank you beverly-ann for for letting me go off on one no it's important anyway it's important bye-bye, bye-bye everyone,
0: everyone.